This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. Last week, I introduced a new segment to this podcast. I discovered some old national and local radio ads and played them. I got a lot of positive feedback. Listeners really enjoy listening to those old radio commercials. So it's something I'm going to do on a regular basis. Remember, none of these companies are sponsors of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'm simply doing this for nostalgic purposes. The first one on this week's list is a radio commercial from Budweiser. When you say Bud, you've said a lot of things nobody else can say. When you say Bud, you've gone as far as you can go to get the very best. When you say Bud, you've said the word that means you have to do it all. When you say Bud, it means you want the beer that's got a taste that's number one. When you say bud, you tell the world you know what makes it all the way. When you say bud, you say you care enough to only want the king of beers. There is no other one. There's only something less because the king of beers is leading all the rest. When you say You've said it all. This next one is a local ad for the JLJ Apartments on Columbus Street near Columbus and Mount Vernon. If you could get a beautiful, modern, all-new, two-bedroom furnished garden apartment with a lovely kitchen, including disposal and built-ins, custom-made drapes, central refrigerated air conditioning, an apartment featuring a laundromat, supervised playground for the kiddies, yard maintenance taken care of, a swimming pool, close to shopping, and plenty of off-street parking for only $109.50 per month, utilities included, you'd feel like you had a fantastic deal, wouldn't you? In fact, you'd probably rush to get one. Better hurry and make your reservation now. There are such dream apartments here in Bakersfield. JLJ Garden Apartments at 2601 Columbus Avenue, just east of Mount Vernon. Select the location of your choice, street side or poolside. But do it now. No lease is required. And rent is just $109.50 per month, including all utilities. JLJ Garden Apartments, 2601 Columbus Avenue, Bakersfield. Open daily, 9 till 9. Now, enjoy this Wrigley gum advertisement. Look for the spear and get chewing enjoyment. Look for the spear, get Wrigley. Fresh, strong, lively, long-lasting too. You say Wrigley's is great to chew. Look for the spear and get chewing enjoyment. With the biggest little treat in all the land. Get the package with the spear, and you'll know enjoyment's here. Be sure it's Wrigley's gum. Friends, the word spearmint cannot be trademarked, so there are many spearmint gums on the market. To be sure of getting the original Wrigley spearmint, look for the spear on the package. It is the Wrigley trademark. 
Some people call it a spear, some call it an arrow. Whichever you call it, it is the Wrigley trademark and is your guarantee of real chewing enjoyment. So remember, get the package with the spear and you'll know enjoyment's here. Be sure it's Wrigley's gum. On the afternoon of May 26, 1938, a man named August Edward Bouquet, or better known as Gus, was staying in a posh Oakland hotel. He left his room and encountered a 50-year-old maid in the hallway. He distracted her by asking for directions. While she was answering him, he pushed her through his room's doorway and savagely beat her. When the maid lost consciousness, he drug her into a bathroom where he criminally assaulted her. That's 1930s newspaper speak for rape. The bathroom where this occurred was a joint bathroom. Two separate guest rooms adjoined the one bathroom. After the rape, Gus exited the bathroom through the door that accessed the room that wasn't his. The room was occupied by two professional baseball players. Gus pretended to be drunk, intoxicated, and to be confused as to which door led to his room. He apologized for intruding and stumbled out of the stranger's room through the hallway door. The baseball players discovered Gus's victim in the bathroom a short time after he left. Gus Bouquet was arrested, convicted, and sentenced to one to 50 years in prison for that crime. While in prison, he built a name for himself in the world of prison art culture. He won prestigious awards at shows that promoted convicts' works of art to the outside world. Gus Bouquet, the convicted rapist, was eventually paroled. He found his way to Bakersfield in 1967. And boy, did he fool the people here. This is Valley Plaza Predator. Remember, I welcome suggestions for future stories. If you have a story idea, you can contact me through the website, NotoriousBakersfield.com. Click the contact link to send me a message. And while you're at NotoriousBakersfield.com, you can show your support. Click the support link to buy me a cup of coffee. Be sure to follow the Notorious Bakersfield social media pages. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Pictures related to each episode, including this one, are posted to those social media pages. I want to go back to that assault on the Oakland Hotel maid. The 1938 assault Gus Bouquet was convicted for. I want to emphasize how brutal of an attack that was. A month after the crime, at one of his first hearings, the victim showed up to court to testify against him. Even a month after her attack, that poor victim still had lingering scars. A month later, her lips were still visibly swollen. Another thing I want to point out. This crime was covered by multiple Bay Area newspapers. Every article about this case never mentioned the name of the hotel. 
It was always described as an upscale or fashionable hotel. Not a single newspaper identified the hotel by name. Do you know who every single newspaper had no problem identifying? The victim. Each article about this case identified by name the rape victim. Not only did they publish her name, they published it with an accompanying photograph of her lying in a hospital bed. They wouldn't name the hotel, but they had no qualms identifying the victim of a brutal sexual assault. Gus Bouquet was convicted for that crime and was sentenced to 1 to 50 years in prison. While he was incarcerated, he was able to hone his natural talent for art. Before committing this crime, young Gus studied architecture at UC Berkeley and later art at the California College of Arts in Berkeley. He worked as a sales clerk, but his passion was art. Being a native of San Francisco, he spent hours on a boat in the bay painting the exquisite scenes that that environment offered. When he went to prison, his passion for art continued to flourish. Being locked up with a lot of free time gave him ample time to paint. Back then, the California Department of Corrections had a prisoner art program. It allowed inmates to create art that was showcased and sold at art shows and fairs, even selling the inmates' pieces at the prison's gift shops. It was a very lucrative endeavor. The artist received 70% of the proceeds, while the Department of Corrections got 30%. Gus was a very versatile artist. He painted in acrylic, oil, and watercolor, and his creative talent wasn't limited to painting. His other art included sketches and sculptures, ceramics, and etchings. I wasn't able to find out how much of the one to 50 year sentence Gus served, but in a 1955 obituary for his father, he was living in Oregon. So sometime between 1938, when he was convicted for rape, to 1955, when his dad died, he was paroled. And evidently, by the early 1960s, he violated his parole or reoffended because he was back in prison in Vacaville, California. I couldn't verify what it was that got him sent back to prison, but he was back in prison in Vacaville in early 1960s. While incarcerated in Vacaville, Gus was commissioned to create a sculpture of the late President John F. Kennedy. The sculpture of JFK's bust was unveiled on the one-year anniversary of the assassination and proudly displayed in a Vacaville park. I'm not sure what brought the 53-year-old paroled convict to Bakersfield in 1967. I speculate that it was a stipulation of his parole. It doesn't appear he had any connections here, no friends or family living here. That's the most logical explanation as to why he landed here in Bakersfield. When he arrived here, he made quite the impression on Bakersfield's art community. 
He was the featured artist at various art functions. He showed and sold his pieces at art shows, fairs, and festivals throughout Bakersfield and Kern County. To embed himself in the community further, he opened an art studio here. The studio gave him another outlet for displaying and selling his work. He even offered public and private lessons at this studio. Gus Bouquet, convicted rapist, was a busy man in Bakersfield. He gave lectures to high school students, joined art organizations and societies throughout Kern County, even sitting on the boards of several of these art organizations. When he wasn't creating art, he was a featured judge at art competitions near and far. During the holiday season of 1967, Gus volunteered his talents for that year's Bakersfield Christmas Parade. He designed and built several of that year's floats, including the most prominent float in the parade, the one that carried Santa Claus through the streets of downtown Bakersfield. One of Gus's signature looks was his wardrobe. Most of the time, he wore a simple sweater and khaki pants with paint stains on them. It didn't matter if he was in his studio or at a public art function, he always wore paint-splattered sweaters and khaki pants. It's hard to say if the people in Bakersfield were aware of Gus's past. I can't help but think they weren't. It seems people in the Bakersfield art community were simply enamored by his talent. He was welcomed into Bakersfield's art scene, and nobody questioned him or his background. Also, this was the late 1960s, long before sex offenders had to register with law enforcement, and there was no such thing as the Internet. On December 19, 1968, at about 8.20 at night, a young Bakersfield woman was walking to her car in the parking lot of the Alpha Beta grocery store on Brundage Lane. When she reached her car, out of the darkness, a man came up behind her, pressed a sharp object into her back, and forced her into her vehicle. He shoved her onto the floorboard. Then he got into the driver's seat and hurriedly drove the car out of the parking lot. As the car was driving south on A Street, the quick-thinking 21-year-old victim opened the passenger door and rolled out onto the roadway. Her car, with the attacker behind the wheel, continued driving south on A Street. The young lady ran to a nearby payphone to call the police. Her car was found a short time later abandoned on South Oleander. About an hour after the Alpha Beta attack, another young woman reported a similar incident at the Valley Plaza Mall. This time, the female was sitting in her vehicle alone when a man walked up to her car and attempted to open the passenger door. That door was locked. She fumbled to find her keys. When she did, she put it in the ignition, but she wasn't fast enough. The man made his way to the driver's door and attempted to open that door. The young lady was trying to hold the door closed and start the car at the same time. She was able to start it, put her car in reverse, and escape. 
The man yelled at the fleeing car that he just wanted a ride to downtown. In the struggle to hold her car door closed while trying to start the car, the would-be victim broke her wrist. That's how hard she fought to get away from that man. California Highway Patrol Officer Larry Eccles was in the area when he heard the radio call for both crimes, the one at Alpha Beta on Brundage and the one at the Valley Plaza. He decided to park in the mall parking lot to observe, to look for suspicious characters lurking around the mall. The mall was busy, the Christmas season was in full swing, and the Valley Plaza was bustling with holiday shoppers. While sitting in his vehicle, making sure mall patrons made it to their cars safely, a young woman frantically drove up to his patrol car. She hysterically reported that she was accosted in another area of the parking lot. She gave the officer a description of the vehicle she observed the man exit before attacking her. Officer Eccles radioed the information into his CHP dispatcher and drove to the area where this latest attack occurred. He didn't see any suspicious activity or the vehicle the young lady described. As he continued patrolling the parking lot, he observed a station wagon matching that description. Officer Eccles pulled the car over to question the driver. While Bakersfield police officers were en route to Officer Eccles' call, another report came in to police dispatchers. This would be the fourth call of the night reporting similar crimes, three of them occurring at the Valley Plaza Mall. This last victim was a 16-year-old girl. She reported to police that she was shopping with her family at the mall. She walked to her family's car alone to store some packages in the trunk so they could continue shopping. When she got to the vehicle, a man pressed a sharp object into her back and pushed her into the car. The girl resisted. The man cut her pants and underwear. She told the assailant that her mother would be coming out to the car any moment. This must have spooked him because he got out of the vehicle and disappeared into the night. Meanwhile, back at Officer Eccles' traffic stop, the man driving the station wagon he pulled over was Gus Bouquet. All four victims of assaults that night gave very similar physical descriptions of their attacker and all four said that the man was wearing a red-hooded sweatshirt that with the hood over his head pulled close to his face to obscure it. And all four victims claimed the man was wearing khaki pants, not just any khaki pants, paint-splattered khaki pants. When Officer Eccles pulled Gus Bouquet over, the artist was wearing a red hooded sweatshirt with his signature paint-stained khaki pants. By the way, if you follow Notorious Bakersfield's social media pages, I'll post a picture of Gus that was published in the Bakersfield Californian before all this. In this picture, Gus is wearing his signature paint-splattered khakis, so you can go see what he looked like. 
One of the victims told authorities that she first noticed Gus Bouquet when he pulled the hood of his sweatshirt over his head. When he did that, he advanced towards her. She noticed the knife in his hand. First she screamed. Then she said she started cussing at Gus Bouquet like a woman wrestler. She called him a dirty SOB. Startled by her reaction, the man stepped back and said, quote, well, to hell with you, unquote. <laughs> and he left her alone. Fifty-three-year-old Gus Bouquet was charged with crimes related to those four attacks in Bakersfield. He was also in violation of his parole. He hired Bakersfield attorney Timothy Lamucci to represent him for these matters. Gus Bouquet ended up making a plea deal with the DA. He pled guilty to the charges, was sent to the California men's colony at San Luis Obispo, where he received psychiatric treatment. He spent his time at the men's colony, much like he did every other time he was institutionalized, painting, cranking out works of art to be sold to art collectors on the outside world. During this time, after being incarcerated for his crimes in Bakersfield, he painted a piece titled Trial at Bakersfield. This painting depicts the legal proceedings he faced here. After five years in San Luis Obispo, he was paroled to Long Beach. There, he was employed at a dental lab, and he operated an art studio. He ended up getting married later in life. In 1994, at the age of 79, August Edward Bouquet passed away. Resources used for this story, the Bakersfield Californian, the San Francisco Examiner, the Oakland Tribune, and Ancestry.com. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Stay safe, stay out of trouble, don't become a future episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. Have a good week.